Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. Here to amplify diverse voices in media, I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed on every podcast platform that I know of, except for ones like Pandora and Spotify, which I chose not to because their terms and conditions were real weird. Uh, but also follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube.com slash About to Review. And AboutToReview.com has full links to the show notes and guests. Speaking of guests, joining me in studio for the first time in any while, Matt Oaks from Silver Screen Riot. That is wow. the sound effect of welcoming me back on your show, John. Mm. It's been a minute. Right. Uh, let me make sure to put a mark down there yeah. for <laughs> air horns. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just do it. I'm good at that stuff. Oh, great. It's like you you told me, like, you know, no more tapping. So I just mm. am going to do air horns the whole time to fill in for my uh, incessant uh, the t- tap, 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 right. tap, tapity tap. Because yeah. nothing is like listening to a podcast where somebody is tapping or drinking water. They really like air horns blasting in their ears. Yeah. I love also like the bag of chips because like. There's oh there's gosh. so much texture to that, you know. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like Lovely. vinyl, you know. You hear the, yeah. and then the also like that, right? The eating. I was it. listening to a podcast recently, and I will not throw them under the bus, but it is a podcast that I I want to support, and I just had to stop listening because it was just too much like, chips. They were eating, they were drinking, mm. and this is like like this is not a you know, smaller podcasts. Like, this is a relatively big podcast. Actually, not even so relative. It is huge. They've gotten to the point where they just like, oh, they just know, do not I'm, care. I'm eating, I'm drinking. Yep. Yeah. Do not care. And I that's, was like, I mean, that's what you're aspiring towards. Not even close. Okay, no. so next time, I'm bringing in like a full combo meal. Celery. Something, uh. <laughs> yeah, something like extra not vegan too. Like, oh, great. Just like the skin from KFC, like oh, Cartman great. style. I did listen to a great podcast about KFC, uh, the Dollop podcast. Oh, uh, it is an American history podcast done by these two comedians. Hmm. It is hilarious. Like like the dark history yeah. of, of uh, what's it, Colonel, Colonel Sanders? Sanders? Literally, the dark, like, yeah. I would imagine that dude has a pretty gnarly past. Oh. Like, you just look at him with his little bow tie <laughs> and, his, and his nasty little smile, and you're mm-hmm. like, that guy has definitely boinked some chicken. Yeah, so definitely check out uh, the Dollop podcast. Uh, yeah, I will send you the, the link. Yeah, I got to look into that. I like weird podcasts. Yeah, and this one is yeah an American history podcast yeah. and really cool. Uh, anyway, so on this week's episode of this podcast about to review, we are going to be reviewing three movies, Hustlers, In Fabric, and Corporate Animals. And then after Matt leaves, because if not, he would just be sitting here plugging his ears because he does not does not want any spoilers. Yeah. I will be Gone reviewing free. Solo uh, Ad Astra, the new Brad Pitt movie in theaters this week. I know that like some of your more um, uh, lenient guests will be like, oh, yeah, like just I'll ask you questions. And if it was one that I didn't really care about. I would probably just stay and be like, well, tell me what that's about. Right. But no, I'm definitely going on Thursday and I don't want to know anything. Yeah. But I feel like I'm just setting myself up for disappointment and I'm going to see it and be like, oh, I should have just like talked about that <laughs> that weird she movie. Right. But we'll see. Yeah. So, yeah. So we will be talking about uh, those three movies. Uh, but before we get into all of that, we'll go to the original theme song created by Damon Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. 
to get ourselves a treat. First movie on the docket uh, is the Jennifer Lopez, I would, I would not say resurgence, but she definitely, she was doing a lot of acting back in the day, and now she is getting back into it. The J. Lawrence Ooh, Renaissance. I, that doesn't really I, I see work. what you were working with. It does with. not roll off the no. tongue. The uh, reconnaissance, no. that's just like. That, was, mm, that, that worked. Mm, that, 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 that just, just feels nice. The Jay Lonisense. Jay Lonisense? Mm, it doesn't work. No, not so much. Scrap it. Uh, but this is the new film Hustlers, starring Jennifer Lawrence and Constance Wu and Julia Stiles, which kind of surprised me. I think I saw her in one of the trailers. So when I saw her in like the first few minutes of the movie, and I was like, oh yeah, Julia Stiles. Look I, at that. <laughs> I got to say, like for a long, long, long time, I've always thought of Julia Stiles as like one of my least favorite actresses. Um, okay. And she's uh, she does nothing bad here. No. Like I, I feel like she's always she she always pesters me. There's always hmm. something like she's pretty good in um uh the save Jennifer the, Lawrence the ones. No, <laughs> no, it's definitely not that one. Uh, certainly not that one. Um, the one with Bradley Cooper and J Lo, J Law, oh, yeah. J Law. Why am I forgetting the name of that? The one that won an Oscar. Silver Linings Playbook. There we go. There it is. Yeah, she's like she's okay in that, but in this, I was like, oh no, Julia Stiles. But she's so she's just like flat and she's good. Which I think I, I can definitely agree with you on some uh, on that because in general she is pretty flat in almost everything. Yeah, she does um, a works. little bit wooden, but this it works here. Yeah, this. Yeah. So Julia Stiles is playing this journalist because this movie Hustlers is based off of a 2015 article written about these real women who had this kind of ring. Yeah, they, this this ring they're running, and so it is based off of this real story. The real journalists at score, uh, yeah, at score from, scores scores. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Jessica, check 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 the Jessica note. Pressler. Jessica Pressler. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like was a viral viral article. Yeah, uh, they've obviously changed the names. I'm mm -hmm. assuming they changed uh, a lot of things that go into this, but like yep. I think that the the nuts and bolts have been preserved. I think that uh it's it's also uh Cardi Cardi B Cardi B is in this. Yeah. She is doesn't she have a similar backstory? Yeah. Which going into this, I was like, you know, this is real similar I to thought, Cardi I was B's like, story. Is this based on Cardi B's life? Uh it very I mean there are definitely some similarities. It is Cuz she drugs and robbed uh, allegedly yeah well, in, in theory i mean you know it's, it's, i mean when you say because yeah it, it is allegedly she was never tried she was never convicted for these things i'm pretty sure the statute has, of limitations is over at this point right so and Cardi, she, and she did free. she did admit to it yeah. but allegedly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah so these these group of women uh these dancers uh and also this movie is directed by lorraine scafaria uh i hope i'm pronouncing that right yeah, i'm not like quite that. sure uh so this group of dancers Basically, during the 2008 recession, which was affecting everything and all walks of life. So these dancers who are in New York, in the heart of the city with all of these Wall Street guys, suddenly nobody is making any money because nobody can afford 
to go into these clubs anymore and spend a ton of money. A lot of money. The people spend <laughs> a lot of money here. A yeah. lot. Yeah. And that here here's a little uh I don't want to say backstory cuz it's not my necessarily backstory. I have been John was really <laughs> into strippers for a long time. Oh, no. Uh <laughs> but like I I used to live with the dancer and so like I I know this world. The movies always portray these scenes where these dudes because it is always these like older gross dudes which is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Just throwing like 20s and 100s, and they're just the dancers are like swimming in this on the floor. I have never seen that. There's um, definitely there's one moment where JLo is doing uh, her first uh, pole dance, mm-hmm. which is a piece of art. It really, I, I, I thought that that was a remarkable scene. First, uh, for the fact that she is 50 years old and she is she looks incredible, she is banging like incredible. It's uh, it's it's jaw dropping. I, yeah. I I glanced around and everyone literally was just jaw mm-hmm. jaw down because it's 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 one of those things. It's like oh, okay, like wow, uh, she's twenty years older than me, and uh, <laughs> this is incredible. But yeah. uh, in the scene, you know, people are throwing dollar bills, twenties, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, and the stage is literally full. Yeah. It's like this this like an this, inch deep almost. Right. It's like fall and someone had just shaken a literal money tree. Mm-hmm. And then she just walks off the stage. I'm I'm like, okay, I gotta suspend my disbelief there. Like who's going like is someone gonna get a, a broom? You need like a Dick Van Dyke type like coming behind and like sweeping into a big money bag or something. But yeah. yeah. No, there's a lot of a lot of bills flying around. A lot of that. And like one thing with J Lo is I mean I grew up watching her when she was a fly girl on In Living Color. And so like to go from that, like then watch this incredible dancer and she was in her 20s and you look at this woman now and you're like, this is incredible. Like she looks incredible and she can still dance. There were a few scenes where I think there was some clever editing and, and a body double, mm. uh, which is fine. Like do whatever you want, Jayla. Like it is your your body. So there were definitely some interesting editorial Choices. Don't you don't think she did the tabletop? Uh, no, that, I think I, I think, think she all was doing of that. that. Yeah. I think all of that. Yes, there were some other scenes where she is like down on the floor, like on oh. her hands and knees, like yes, walking yes, towards. Yes. Yeah, and the very seductive. Very seductive. Very and the camera seductive. is behind, and there's a lot of yeah. hair whips. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, okay, that's, that's okay. I mean, this. Uh, I think it's fair to say that this is a very um, sexualized movie. One mm-hmm. that. One that brandishes its sexuality like right on its sleeve. Yeah. But I think that one of one of the things that I really appreciate about this and and probably this is this is an effect of uh having a female director behind this is that it didn't it didn't feel gross yeah. or male gazy mm-hmm. or um exploitative. It felt um quite the opposite. It felt very empowering and mm-hmm. and and about like wielding your sexuality as a uh, as a hammer, which yeah. is what this is about, because and and I don't think there there should be any confusion about like oh these are these are good girl next door types like no they're they're pretty twisted and like they're they live by a pretty broken moral code, mm-hmm. but in terms of of what what the culture is and what we're looking at and like looking at, at this strip club uh, or, or kind of like this strip clan that they, that they form is like mm-hmm. kind of like a, a, a black mirror version of 
what is happening um, on Wall Street. And then just being like kind of like a dark reflection of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something very potent in like them using kind of like the twisted mentality yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. like going Mm -hmm. like and like brandishing their sexuality as a weapon because that's something like in the workplace that's typically denied of them so i think that there's a lot of interesting um definitely feminist but just like uh uh gender gender elements to this that Mm -hmm. that that I think are definitely um, amplified by like having a female director and like being able to make this kind of movie and not be like, like, yeah. And that was the thing is I was still, I was unfortunately waiting for those moments because in almost all of the movies about things like this, about sex work in general, it gets to a point where I'm like, do they need to do this and this and this? But yeah, this was handled with a deft touch. And that was definitely, I think part of that directorial, pursuit yeah there wasn't I, I i can't think of a single moment where i was like oh well this is just gratuitous and like right. maybe maybe that won't be everyone's experience because i i was actually just talking to a friend of mine um and she was saying like uh i thought that she'd really like the movie and mm-hmm. i asked her after, i was like what do you think she's like oh i didn't like it i was like why she's like well i don't like watching people strip for 30 minutes i'm like oh, okay well obviously you missed the point of the movie <laughs> right. but I guess there's something to be said about that. Like I'll watch people strip for 30 minutes and you know, Mm -hmm. uh, magic Mike, like my God, like one of, one of the greatest films of our generation. I said it here on record, (laughs) which is interesting. Magic Mike XXL. Right. Love them both. What is fascinating about this film. And I, cause I thought a lot about that because the last movie we really had about this type of, you know, sex work and stripping was magic Mike. Right. What is fascinating is this movie I think is, Definitely going to be hit with girls' night out, you know, with just doing a ladies' night, get some drinks, go see this movie, and those same groups of women will also really, really like Magic Mike, Magic Mike XSL. So I right. love that there is that type of diversity in films where it is like, cool, like this is going to be ladies' night at Magic Mike, Magic Mike XSL, and at Hustlers to see this story in a different light. Yeah, and I think that one of the other similarities, and I. I I think it'd be kind of a loss to to spend too much time comparing this to Magic Mike because they are mm-hmm. very different movies Absolutely. but I think they also um they both very successfully um take the surface level pleasures of something like like a uh, fantastic cinematography mm-hmm. um just like kind of killer soundtracks really impressive dancing um and just all these like these like candy candy kind of exterior where you're like it's nice to look at it sounds great um but then like burying something beneath that like some 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 real thematic elements like Mm -hmm. uh, you know magic mike it it works as a quote-unquote like striptease kind of movie but it's Mm -hmm. also like a very serious human drama and i think that this also like kind of uh uh couches like a, a one of the most thoughtful deconstructions of like the 2008 financial crisis Mm -hmm. that we've seen in movies for the past decade. Yeah. Cause it definitely, it gave you a different perspective of it. Yeah. And like the whole crux of the movie is this group of women who basically just, they are trying to provide for themselves, for their families, you know, the ones that have them. And so through that all, they realize, okay, if this is not working, what do we need to do? And again, that gray area of watching a film 
of people, does not matter what gender, people drugging unsuspect, oh, unsuspecting they're bad. people. They're like, bad people. And so, like, it is, it is weird, like, watching this and, like, you get to the point where you're cheering them on and then you take a second and you're like, okay, this really subverted my mm-hmm. expectations in a way because it is it is hard to root for that even though you know where it is coming from. And I think... And that's one of the things that the movie does really well is that you do find yourself like kind of cheering along to this. Like mm-hmm. you're on the sidelines. You're like, yeah, yeah. like here we go. Get, let's get a new chinchilla coat. You know, <laughs> right. like uh, it, there, there is a celebratory element to like seeing them increase, like get increasingly wealthy. Like they're like yeah. doing well. But, but I don't, I think that the movie also, it doesn't sell itself short or its audience short in terms of like being like, well, this is morally right and this is morally wrong and this right. is how you should feel about this and this is how you should feel about that. There is – there's a lot of takeaways to this movie. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of the biggest ones is that like, um, you know, there are a lot of shades of gray that are being Very operated in, yeah. within here. Um, and you're not supposed to be like, oh, these people are the worst people in the world. But they're not heroes either. But you still, you know, it's 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 fun to watch. It's fun to watch, and that kind yep. of brings me back to my initial point, which is like there are just like these surface pleasures to these movie to this movie. Um, but it also has you know some a lot of deeper things to to dwell mm-hmm. on and think about and talk about afterwards. Yeah, and I do think it is interesting. So one of the things that was billed a lot in the marketing for this is you know Cardi B, Lizzo, you know, are with in a this. flute. Coming with a, out with which, the flute in a bodysuit. I love seeing that. Uh, I mean, this is not really a spoiler. Yeah, they're not main characters. They're not even side characters. We get about 15 they're extended to t- cameos. Especially, yeah. I mean, Lizzo like, is basically on the screen with a flute, and then she's off the screen. Yeah, and then gets um, another scene like at the end when there's this other flashback to somebody coming into the club, which is hilarious. Um, I really like that guest appearance. <laughs> um, There's, uh, I, I think that Cardi B has, for me, if not the most memorable line, like one of the most, and and it's 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 the through line of the movie when she says like, oh, when she's training Constance Wu how mm-hmm. to give a lap dance, she right. says you know keep it slow, grind it slow, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she says you know drain their drain their cards, not their uh, bleep bleep. Right. I, I don't. I, I don't know if you say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So just bleep that. Um. And like that. That's the that's the thrust of the movie. Yeah. Wink, wink. Wow. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So it definitely is interesting that way. But like you mentioned, the the way this was shot and filmed. Yeah, it was not sensationalistic. It was very just steadfast in its approach. But one of the dancers that again is a extended cameo that I wish had more to do is this dancer, uh, Meta Towley. She was in the NERD video with Rihanna Lemon. Uh, she has like this like shaved head with blonde hair. Is she one of the sisters? No. Okay. Um, but like she is a phenomenal dancer. She toured with Pharrell for years uh, and is just a great dancer. So as, I, like, as soon as I saw her you know, like in the dressing room, like I wanted – her to get more screen time because yeah. I just know that she is a great dancer. And I think that was another thing they did is they cast this with dancers. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, of course, you know, there are some others. Some and they backgrounds. can dance. I mean, yeah. there are some really impressive 
uh, just like acrobatics in this movie. Yeah. As uh, you know, I just watch it for the articles. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just go to see the athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, it's impressive. I mean, like Magic Mike uh, to bring it back to Magic Mike. Right. Like, like you don't have to be into going to uh, male review strip mm-hmm. clubs to appreciate like the pure athleticism yeah. of these dances. And that, that, that holds to here. Like mm-hmm. there's just like, especially JLo, like when she's, Man. when she's demonstrating like these like various poses, like it's mm-hmm. just like, Oh my God. Like, and I think that, that that's one of the elements of, of this Oscar conversation regarding yeah. JLo, which I, I, I think, um, you know, there's there's been some people who've said like, oh, that's that's balderdash. Um, <laughs> Were you talking to a film critic in 1920? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was in black and white, uh, oh, okay. corn cob pipe. Right, that's <laughs> a balderdash call. Um, but I you, think you that... ran into him at the haberdashery. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly. Um, there, it's 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 the combination of first of all her being in a good movie for the yep. first time since what like out of sight wow what is funny is when i came out of this when i when we were talking to the reps like we always have to do we have to give a quote we have to you know talk about it and i was talking to one of our you know colleagues in the film critics society and i brought up out of sight and he was like oh wow that movie and i was like yeah that was like 20 years 99? ago dude. yeah 20 like, years ago i can't think of a good movie that she's done I know that there are there are some years. people, and some of them are are my listeners, Uh-oh. who love her rom coms, or other ones. Yeah, no, tune out, not for me. <laughs> and so, yeah, like to see her in a solid movie because she is great in this. She's really good. Like, it's 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 just it seems like the kind of performance where it's just like it's the best we'll probably ever get from her. You know, possibly. like and that is and there's nothing wrong with that. It no. reminds me of. When people talk about, sometimes it takes a great director to make a good actor great. Marlon Wayans in Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. You watch that He's and you're really like, good. He's I mean, really he is good. phenomenal because yeah. it takes a director to really kind of work with somebody. And so saying that this might be the best favorite here is not a knock. It is like, no, she's just really good in this. Yeah. And so it just, it just, it takes all of her potential and mm-hmm. kind of just maxes it out. Yeah. Just like they're maxing out. The credit cards the credit of the cards dudes that of these, have been of these, essentially roofied. I mean, not even essentially, like... which uh, the... well, Technically, <laughs> roofie is rooflin, whereas ketamine and MDMA is just, you know... Uh, True. A batch for, like, a real crazy kind of night, right. so... This, had, this did have one of the best quick cutaway, like, physical comedy moments of the whole film. Has to do with this ketamine situation that they're working with. Oh, but, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I fell out. Like it is just it is a 30 second scene that was just hilarious. It's a very funny movie. I was surprisingly I was belly laughing like many times. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it, it is it is a combination of like there's really good physical comedy, mm-hmm. there's good camaraderie between the cast. Yeah. The chemistry is fantastic. Again, credit to J Lo, who is just she's she's just she owns every time she's on the screen it's like you know all eyes Mm -hmm. like drift to her just like everyone every all of like her little minions in this movie like she just kind of commands the stage yeah she has this just magnetic personality that again i think j-lo is able to bring to this because she has had that in real life she's for decades yeah (laughs) right so it just i have always liked her more as a as an actor versus her music 
Uh, and this is a prime example of that. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that is Hustlers, which is in theaters now. So, yeah, okay. I think so. Question. Yeah. Uh, J-Lo and the Oscars, you going to ship it? This it is a tough one, or is it? Um, is it just a globes kind of? Thing? It's ooh. just for the globes, <laughs> right? Save it for the. Globes. Oh, we're not going to get into other award nominations like Emmys and Beyonce getting. Oh, snubbed. oh no, we're not bringing that up. <sighs> um, as far as James I- Corden. Okay, move along. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand that guy. That was just like that was that was weird. Um, as far as Oscar contention, Oscar possibility, I think that I could see it. I, I could I'm see it. I'm saying I could say it. Um, I mean, how many do they get now? They get eight nominations for Best Oscars? Actor? Five. Is it only five? It's okay. only five. Oh, no. They expanded Best Picture. Yeah, I Best Picture is okay. like gotcha. the, somewhere between five and ten, depending on the roll of the dice. Right. But, um, yeah, I think that it, it really depends, like, kind of what we see in these in these next few months. If the category gets really crowded, um, then yeah you can see her falling out but it seems like it seems like the kind of performance that's just ripe for like that that classic like oscar lifetime achievement award just like the nomination itself is I, it's I, just an honor to be nominated I, for can, Jayla, I, can, so. I, I will say this as of right now as of recording i could see her getting nominated i have a hard time seeing her oh no win. not the win no no uh, <laughs> no 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 she'll never touch it but <laughs> she will be within arm's grasp right I, I don't know. I'm saying uh, I give it like a 50-50 right now. Yeah. That's my that's my insane odds. I like that. So, okay. I like that. Uh, all right. So the rating system for this podcast, there are no stars. There are no letter grades like some of my uh, fellow critics like to use, one of which yeah. is in this room. <laughs> uh, it's just are... a much more <laughs> intricate system. And... Exactly. Yeah. And complicated because especially you start doing plus and minuses. Oh, yeah. The pluses and minus. That's where man, it's at, that man. that adds... What fifteen total? Because like A B C D. So F, I've like, recently oh. given myself license to go back and just like change things. Um, How dare just, you, oh, sir? Oh, I know it's awesome. So I'll be like, I'll like be like, oh, you know what? I, I gave this like a B plus back in the day, but it's an A now. So I'll just wow. go. I'll like tip it up to the A minus. Wow. So I mean, it makes Coward. sense because <laughs> I don't think that something in your system is going to go from an ugly to a, a good. No, no, not a chance. Or vice versa. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's yeah. something to be said about that. So the rating system on this podcast, there are only three choices, good, bad, or ugly. Good film is something you would recommend to somebody you enjoyed, you had a good time with the movies. Bad is something you came out of and you were not too jazzed about talking about it. It was just kind of there. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Uh, Matt, as the guest, what do you give Hustlers? Oh, I'm on the spot. So I think that this is this is pretty obvious that I'm very much in the camp of good. Uh, I went into this... Not with low expectations because it had like it had gotten kind of some positive response yeah. before seeing it. So I was like, oh, I'm interested and I wanted to see it beforehand. But even even going in being like, oh, like I heard that this is pretty good. This still surprised me. And I had a great time at the theater. I, I laughed. I smiled. Mm-hmm. I was engaged. Um, the performances are great. The just like the, the audio visual elements of it are really spectacular. I loved this movie. Strong recommendation from me. So your official rating. Oh, I, I didn't say good. I thought I started with good. <laughs> I don't think you did. You oh, might okay. have. I, I, okay. I said it's obvious. Uh, I'm, whatever. I'm drunk it's off a good of, from me. I'm drunk off of fizzy water. Uh-oh. Uh, 
This soda stream, man, it is so good. <laughs> well, especially because like, you could add as many bubbles as you want. Yeah, so many bubbles. Um, yeah, my official rating for Hustlers is also a good. This was something where when I posted that I was at the screening, like I usually try and do whenever I go to these, one of my friends commented and he was like, you know, whenever I, you know, get jealous of you seeing big movies, I remember that you also have to watch movies <laughs> like this. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people do not really know what this is until they see it. Yeah. And so this gets a good for me because it just does something that, yeah, people should see this yeah, movie. Yeah, go and watch this movie. Like, Come it, on, people. It is solid. And when the drama hits, Constance Wu, like we have not talked about her enough, yeah. but like she is so good in She's this. She's really good. Uh, to see, there are a lot of times when Lorraine uh, would just kind of sit on her. There are a couple times on like phone calls or whatever. And you just see the transitions in her face as she starts processing what she is doing, the pain, the, like... Yeah, Constance Wu is definitely good. So, cool. All right, the next movie, moving right along, is In Fabric. So this is something, this was one that kind of blew up the festival circuit when it was playing. Uh, it is not getting a wide release. Uh, I thought it was a lot earlier. A minute. Yeah, it's going to be a minute. Yeah, but it's not getting a wide release until December. Uh, but I was able to get a screener of this, and so I, I wanted to talk about it because I'd been hearing about this. It played at Seattle International Film Festival. And I missed it there. A lot of our other fellow critics in town were excited to see this. You were excited to see this. I was. Uh, in Fabric is the tale of a haunted dress. It's an evil dress. An evil dress. Like, there is no other setup for this movie. It takes place in, I think, like the mid to late 70s in, in mm -hmm. England. They never really say specifically, but with the phone they use and other things. Mid to late 70s. And we see kind of these vignettes almost like a creep show style where there's this like thread that goes through these maybe not creep show twilight zone-esque where we get yeah. different people interacting with this haunted dress with the dress with this evil haunted it's an evil dress <laughs> dress uh one thing that i a couple of things that i wanted to point out so first it is directed by peter strickland yeah, dude, he made uh, Dukes of Burgundy and Burbian Sound Studio, both kind of like out there. Well, Burbian Sound Studio is like, uh, I don't know if you've seen this. I have it's, not. it's a very stripped down um, kind of like concept horror movie where like um, there's all this stuff going on and, and these people are just like in a studio while all this you know, hmm. ap apocalyptic stuff is going. And it's a very uh, auspicious debut and, and it plays around with like kind of a lot of like the things that you end up seeing in In Fabric. Okay. Um, Dukes of Burgundy, I have you seen? I don't think I've seen all of it. Okay, that's really good too. Yeah. So that's like psychosexual, um, which again, In Fabric has a lot of a lot of psychosexual stuff um, going on. But yeah, Peter Strickland is is definitely like kind of this emerging voice on like the indie, like midnight uh, kind of circuit because his 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 work after just three pictures has has definitely he he, he leaves a, a fingerprint. You know, it's like, yeah. oh that's Peter Strickland. Yeah. And this the visual stylings of this film, and I wrote down a couple people, because uh, as I was watching this. There's a, a Twitter handle, and I forget who runs it, but it is called, like, One Perfect Shot. Oh, yeah, There's, yeah. like, highlight yep. a shot from films. This movie has, like, five or six moments where it is just, like, you are seeing this, and you're like, okay, this could be that, this could be that. So the cinematographer is Ari Wegner. And I think, as far as I could tell, like, this is one of the first things they have done. Oh, no way. The cinematography of this is 
bonkers good. I got to say, uh, I like talking. Of, I like thinking about the red dress, John. To yeah. bring it back to a Requiem quote. Ooh. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I, as, as you said, uh, you know, this movie had a lot of hype. I was really excited to see it. And I love this movie. This is like, this was, is, this <laughs> is exactly the movie I wanted like, uh, uh, last year's Suspiria to be like, yep. This is, this is what I wanted that to be. Cause that, that this feels, uh, and, and maybe I've like fallen too much into the film critic, uh, uh, rabbit hole Ooh. where like, like these are the kind of movies that I love and want to see more of and just like every minute of it I'm like smiling and like I'm so happy I'm like this movie yeah. was made for me like this is this is the kind of cinema I love um, but then I like pull back for a second I'm like oh everyone I know would hate this movie other than a even, film critic what, what is interesting is you bring up so that was one of the first things I wrote down after I finished the movie after watching this film I know exactly why this played so well at film festivals oh, yeah. this is the perfect film festival movie because you get people who go to genre film festivals, which you and I do all the time and I've been doing for years. So you get a, not necessarily a different type of film goer, but the people who go to a film festival that would play something like this, a genre film festival, this is the perfect movie for a film festival. It really is. And like, it's, uh, it's just, it's one of those movies that, like, so tragically, I feel like if it did get a wide release and, like, uh, you know, people watch the trailer and they go in with certain expectations mm-hmm. of, oh, a movie about a killer dress. Um, <laughs> and then they see this, like, I hate to say it, but I feel like this gets, like, an F cinema score. You know what I mean? Like, this is mm. the kind of movie that people come out and they're, like, they're belligerently mad that they've, like, been, quote, unquote, like, tricked into seeing. Which but, is like, crazy to me. <laughs> I know. It, uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, waste time talking about how other people might not like that. And mm-hmm. dear listeners, if you don't like this movie, my address is <laughs> right. Um, Silverscreenriot.com. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, I was just entranced. Yeah. By this movie, and I, I think again, it goes. You know, like I was talking about with Ari Wagner, one of the first times we see the dress. You know, the quintessential dress of this movie. We see the this woman uh, trying it on the first of our vignettes. Uh, the actress is Marianne Jean-Baptiste playing Sheila. So we see her in this and it cuts to this dressing room that has these multiple mirrors. Yes. The way that this shot is built. Yeah. Like we see her, then these side mirrors, then two more side it's mirrors. It's kind of like us, dude. Like the, there's a very much like an us mm. quality, like with like the, just, just like the like African-American, like wearing like red with like these mirror reflections, like totally can't be something that was uh, an homage to that because they probably like these are released at like the same time yeah because this played its first film festival i think, I think like, it opened at sundance yeah early in the yeah. year which means it was filmed like a year and a half right. before that so but like that that shot that you mentioned like it reminded me a lot of that opening shot in us where the yeah. little girl's like looking in the mirror and then all of a sudden like her reflection is not her yeah it's like there was there was that shot the what I what the mannequin I, <laughs> scene? Can we talk about the mannequin? Well, there scene? are there are a few mannequin scenes. You but know the one. Yes. Uh, no, we we will not. <laughs> <laughs> but that type of scene, I think. Again, to your point of that's some the, people, that's when everyone's going to stand up and walk out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think some people are going that that will be the breaking yep, point. They're like, okay, come on, Timmy, 
Yeah. It's like, wait, why did you bring your six-year-old to, <laughs> to see the yeah. Evil Dress movie by Peter Strickland? Uh, but yeah, so like the, the shop employees that we see, you know, are these women in all black and like petticoats and like these huge dresses. And this movie layers a lot of themes and a lot of ideas as to maybe the history of this dress or what these people are, but it never goes into it. And I did not care like I, it did not bother me that it they did not suggest things it doesn't it, it never really makes things too concrete yeah which um is something that i i personally really like in movies mm-hmm. when things are open-ended and kind of uh up to suggestibility and your own yeah. interpretation and um but i think that there is enough about this movie that that to like the mythos of it and like I one of the elements that I really liked is how uh, these these shopkeeps or mm-hmm. or whatever they are how they in essence like speak in a different language than everyone yeah. else. It's like they're they're from like the eighteen zero and four and six right. And they're nine like it's like this antiquated robot speak that like mm-hmm. feels like if you like fed a computer like a bunch of diaries <laughs> yeah. from 1862 and it like had it like write out human dialogue like that's what it would be yeah um and i loved that about it because like it's just funny and like yeah. that's one of the things that's so great about this movie is it's it's very funny too i laughed a lot and it was unusually funny like yes. it, it was not funny in the ways that you would think it was just the things that were happening were not i think meant to be funny but like you cannot help but like have this almost weird awkward laugh to be like yeah okay like i understand oh, yeah. this uh yeah. there are other scenes where we see it we see it a couple different times through the vignettes of the woman laying in bed and the you know the dress is just hovering Flying over above her. her it's so good and it's, it's just so like good it just worked the other person i definitely wanted to, to give a shout out to uh was the music supervisor who Oh, I, did, I forgot to write it down on here. Oh, it's some crazy name. Uh, uh, I just watched it recently. And it and so this music supervisor it's has so good. done the music is a so million dope. things. They did uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, uh, like Rocket okay, Man. They're, they're Guy Ritchie people. Yeah, one okay. of them. Uh, but the music itself, like a lot of the music. So the music supervisor was phenomenal. The music itself was done by like Cavern of Antimatter. There it is. Yes. I was like, the it's, it's some crazy it indie name nails like that 70s mm-hmm. synthy horror film sound and feel well and just from just from the first scene of the movie like the credits scene yeah it's like it in that in that one to two minutes it totally sets absolute tone and like you there's no confusing what you're going to get i mean content wise sure but like in terms of like the style and the music and just like the 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 whole feel of the movie it's like so perfectly laid out like mm-hmm. i just watched those opening credits so i was like oh i got to strap in like yeah. i'm going <laughs> to dig this yeah uh, and ian ian neal was the was the music supervisor and so yeah, like that like i said from the beginning of the film you know what it is going to be it had like a like a Rosemary's Baby mm-hmm. almost type of yes. feel from the beginning. And you're like, all right, here we go. And it goes so weird. And it, the, the directions that it goes in that are weird and unexplained do not take away from the story. And I think that was a big strength. Yeah. Is it, it did not layer unnecessary things that make you wonder like, oh, they did not explain this and this. They sure. layer it, do not explain it. And you're like, 
I'm still on board. I mean, by the the end of the movie is perfect. Like it's a great end. I loved the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a movie like this that is kind of open and like it doesn't it doesn't require itself to be what you want it to be and what mm-hmm. you expect it to be. And there's like a huge pivot. In, yeah. <laughs> in in the around the middle of this movie where it's like, oh my God, okay, wow. Like this movie is willing to take huge swings and huge risks. But I think that in order to do that and pull it off successfully, you really need to stick the ending. And this movie sticks the ending. Yeah. And again, as that final scene, you know, as the visuals are, are scrolling in a certain way, again, it is one of those. Perfectly vague. Right. It is one of those moments where it was like, Okay, this by itself, this tracking shot yeah. is 30 awesome. seconds and it just works. Awesome. Yeah, there's so I mean there's so many good shots in yeah, there's the there's like this purple uh spiral almost like a not an audio phone. What am I the record player the, It was just totally hypnotic. Yeah. And so like it, we it, see it, we see that multiple times and then we see it I was literally state. the first time you see that that spinning uh disc thing like I I felt like my my head was literally spinning. I like looked over at Morgan, my wife, afterwards, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like I, that kind of tripped me out. Like, yeah, I was like falling into a trance there. And this is a very like very trippy, very trance like movie. Um, Super art house. Oh my god, it's so art, it's so deliciously art house. This is what I want. Just like inject this in my veins, like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like uh, one one of the other things that I really 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 loved about this is like all the advertisements um for the 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 department store Mm -hmm. and they just get increasingly nutty yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love how like everyone in the entire town is always like so what have you been doing with the sales what have you gotten Mm -hmm. at the sales like everyone in this town is essentially like under the spell of like this department store well if you go to a lot of small towns especially mid to late 70s yes. like not a lot was going on right it's like the center of yeah. of culture and life it's like well what did you get at the department store sale <laughs> right? yeah i this movie kind of blew me away yeah speaking of the comedy there's one other um part i want to mention which is the the celia's uh bosses yes. uh, in the film like i i don't i couldn't place who those two actors were but they are like the comedic heartbeat of this movie. And they are, they had me in stitches. Mm-hmm. They were so, so, so funny. And I did not even, same thing. I did not recognize him until I was pulling up the IMDb. Cause I was like, Oh, why does that guy look so familiar? I'm on pins and needles. Julian Barrett. He was in the mighty Boosh. Like oh. he is a super famous, like British okay. comedian, but something about either his makeup or his goatee or something. He looked familiar, but not, not enough to kind of be like, oh, it is this guy, because he would be about the only one that would be that recognizable to kind of pull you out. Gwendolyn Christie Gwendolyn gets, Christie. She gets top billing in this. Yeah. For some unknown reason. Because she's Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Christie. Christie. Yeah. I, yeah. I it took me a second to recognize her. She's good in this. I like how she's like uh an older kind of seductress art model type. It's very uh uh Against the grain for what we've probably come to expect from her, which is yeah. like s- some kind of weapon wielding tall badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is Julian Barrett. And yeah, I did not recognize oh, him. <laughs> the mind horn guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, he, he cracked me up. Yeah. They're and very it, funny. In moments where, again, those were ones where it was, 
you know, kind of manufactured for the laugh, but it was just these super awkward moments and just compliment sandwiches and so good. managerial speak. So good. So, but yeah, I mean, so the cast in and of itself was doing these kind of vignettes with this thread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you said that earlier. Uh, I know. I just I gave you not... the wink. Oh, I was thanks, like, thanks, oh, you buddy. got it. You got it. <laughs> uh, you know, has this thread together and yet they're very different stories. Right. But the way that they sewed them all together. Oh, nice. Really, yeah. It really, uh, <laughs> really it, it buttoned adds, everything up. It adds <laughs> zing. Yeah. Let's put a, let's put a zipper on this. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that this is the kind of movie that, um, you just don't anticipate mm-hmm. where it's going next. And like, yep. I think that, and not to not to sound like a, an annoying film critic type, but I think that those are the movies that that people like us who see so many movies appreciate more because yeah. like we've seen the basic three act structure where it goes well this this is and there's a rising tide and then there's an action climax <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know it's it's so familiar and and to to have something come and like kind of t bone you from the side and be like oh whoa okay oh we're doing this oh oh my god what are you doing with that mannequin mm-hmm. uh yeah i love it yeah I love it pretty incredible uh, okay, so in Fabric, which is not in theaters until like eh, December, depending on where you live. Check it out in a few months. Honestly, I mean, or you might not. Like this is something where depending on the release, even in December, I'm not sure when people are going to be able to see I this. I wouldn't anticipate that this is getting a wide. <laughs> I, I think that this is something that. Find your local find your local art house theater. Mm-hmm. And see it with your grandpa. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, bring there's the family. One, yeah, there's one scene in particular that, like, if you do see this with your grandpa, please start filming. Send the audio right. and the the send all the pictures. Silver Screen Riot. I want to see your grandpa watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So we will see kind of when this happens when this gets released. So in fabric, uh, I will go first. Uh, this is an absolute good for me. This is something where you take a premise like this, did not know what to expect. There were some kind of cheesy elements when it came to, like, the way that the dress moves. But at the same time, how how else was it going to work? Like, there was no (laughs) other way. When you see the dress kind of getting, like, pulled up the stairs, like, pulled under a door. Oh, I love that. It It was something where it was like. laugh. Like, it totally embraces the camp. Yeah, absolutely. It does. It's like, there's no no moment where it's like, you're supposed to take this dress very seriously (laughs) Mm -mm. now. But it is, like, it is very, like intense at yeah. the same time it's yeah. so and, and just the cinematography and music alone and all of the performances are great also yeah but the cinematography music just blew me away splendid to look at so and matt what is your official rating <laughs> my okay so i start with the official rating yes. i don't start blathering first <laughs> right i don't know it's tempting to start blathering mm. see i'm already doing it okay uh officially for me yeah this is obviously a good this is a very strong this is a good plus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I love this movie. Yeah. And um, if you like art house festival films like Yeah. right up your alley. I mean, I'm I'm totally like like my favorite movies every year like I'm becoming more and more predictable where I'm like I like movies from A24 and I yeah. like I like art house horror movies <laughs> and like this is just like it just like saw my alley and is like slid right into my DMs. <laughs> so your so, dream journal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's like oh, this is the movie that 
that Matt wants. This is probably, I mean, at this point, like it probably just crashed my top 10. I would wow. like, I would totally go if, if they're, if they're doing this again, I'm totally going to see this again in theaters. Yeah. Um, I, I, I adored this movie. It's so good. I would watch it again tonight. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, so like me and like Brent, our other film critic friend, there's a movie coming out called jujitsu mm. where there's a jujitsu competition with aliens. And I think Nick Cage that's is better in than it with Jews. Uh, I, was, I was thinking, Oh, are they going that direction? No. Okay. That's good. Uh, with like aliens and there's basically a mortal combat style tournament to determine the fate of the world. Mm-hmm. As soon as it got announced, Brent and I both were like, okay, whose dream journal did they steal for this movie? <laughs> so yeah, if this is something that even looks remotely interesting for you, you are going to love this movie. Yeah. So cool. And the, don't forget the grandpa picks. I seriously <laughs> want people to do that. I'm like not joking. Yeah. Uh, and the last review that Matt will be joining on, this is mm. one of his suggestions. So uh, Matt, go ahead and uh, introduce okay. our next film. So, um, the uh, corporate animals. Um, this is a uh, a film from Patrick Bryce, who prior to this he directed uh, Creep was his breakout, which mm-hmm. he did with Mark Duplass. One and two. He did yeah. He did the sequel um, just last year, a year before that. Um, in 2015, he directed The Overnight, which right. is a very very uncomfortable comedy that I absolutely love. It Another was in one my, that like, it was in my top yeah, ten of the there. year. Yeah, I loved that movie. Um, watched it a bunch of times. Um, Jason Schwartzman's uh, uh, fake phallus in that movie is worth watching alone. Wow. See, aren't you interested in watching it now? Sold. <laughs> yeah, it's massive. Um, so Patrick Bryce is the director. He did not write this. He's written okay. um, his other movies or with collaborators often. Um, the writer is Sam Bain, which if you don't know him, he's he's worked on a variety of things. Um, Peep Show he was on. He wrote uh, Four Lions, um, oh, okay. which if you've Four Lions is is the Islamic terrorist satire from 2010, which is yeah. so funny. It's hmm. like a, a a laugh riot. Like if you haven't seen that recently, like you specifically should watch that movie because okay. it's it's so funny. It's so so funny. Um, and then the cast. I mean, the cast is loaded. Like you have uh, you have your Demi Moore. You had Ed Helms, Jessica Williams, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Karen Sony, Caleb Worthy, who was in uh, uh, my one of my favorite movies of of last year, Body, the Rap Battle uh, satire. That was what he was from. Yes, I know. I was trying to figure it out for the longest time, and I was like, it's a guy from Body. Body, um, yeah, yeah. So kind of a killer cast of yeah. of a lot of like uh you don't really know their name comedians and then like led by Demi Moore. a lot of the like oh that guy yeah oh, that, oh guy. that girl yeah, like uh Nassim character Nassim Pedrad from Saturday Night Live Isaiah and Deadpool Woodlock Jr. right uh Car- Karen was in Deadpool Karen uh, Sonny oh, was Dupinder. Yeah, yeah. yeah um uh so a lot of talent going on yep. in this movie a lot a lot of talent um which brings me to my next point I'm sorry that we watched this movie. <laughs> how is this so bad? Like, I don't know. I don't know how you felt about this because we didn't watch it together. But like, uh, with this caliber of talent, like with a good director, mm-hmm. um, a, a a a writer who's proven to be like witty and and topical and fresh, and then like a pretty good cast, like. Man, yep. to me, this movie was a face plant. It was so painful. 
it and was it, so painful. What was interesting about this movie, so Jessica Williams, you know, is kind of one of the main characters, and she did The Daily Show with, like, Jon Stewart, yeah. Trevor Noah. Like, she has done a bunch of stuff. She is amazing and hilarious. So you get good performances in this movie from, like, her, Karen Sony, but then this movie... It is a it's dark comedy. so disconnected, though. Yeah, it is, it is a dark comedy that was not dark enough no. or comedic enough. Oh, I didn't laugh once. I didn't laugh the entire movie, <laughs> man. I, like, it was one of those... I think there's, like, there's nothing more painful than than the unfunny comedy. Like, the mm. comedy where you don't laugh. And that's, like, pretty much every, like, Adam Sandler movie for me, which wow. is, like, why I can't watch them. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, some of the old ones, I'll laugh. But, like, the new ones, it's, like, oh, no. The, the like, new ones are, are rough. The old ones, I think it was also probably with our age. Like it, Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Scatological humor was cool in the 90s. Yeah. Um, but, like, I just felt like everything in this was reaching for something that wasn't there like it tries to tackle like quote hot button issues like Mm -hmm. like it 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 very much like puts itself on blast for being like oh we're we're talking about female ceos and we're talking about um uh diversity in the workplace and affirmative action but but it just it it confuses bringing these things up with having one fucking thing to say about them because mm-hmm. it doesn't have anything to say yep. about anything. Um, and none of the jokes to me, uh, uh, landed. I, it was, yeah, that was, that was kind of rough. It basically, it tried to be too woke. Yes. But it, <laughs> it tried to be woke. It, it's like, it's like people who think that being woke is like going, uh, to work and being like, Excuse me, everyone. Just so you know, I have a black friend and a gay friend. Like that's not that's not woke. Mm-hmm. It's like just like bringing up affirmative yeah. action and bringing up uh, having a, a a female CEO in the in the context of this movie. Like it just like does these things and then see like, see what we did. Yeah, see it's how like edgy? look. Yeah, look. Yeah, and that, that was weird. And it just yeah, it felt forced. Like all yes. of the all of the setups for the jokes felt forced. All of the hot button issues because they, they're like at one point Carnstone was like she Weinsteined me yes and I was like and it's like okay. oh okay. and then at one point they talk about how the company so basically the crux of this movie which we did not even yeah, really talk I, about oh god I guess we'll talk a, about the plot it is a corporate retreat a team building thing they get stuck underground after going spelunking and they're there for a set amount of a certain number of days and Nine? have to <laughs> yeah and have to not that many and have to figure things out and have to do all of these things. But, and so as, as part of this, Demi Moore, as the CEO of this company, that might be going bankrupt, that might have all these things. And at one point, characters are like, oh, well, it was that university you founded. And it was like... Are they doing a Trump thing? Like, is this really... Yeah. Like, it was just so ham-fisted and just... Ugh. To me, it almost felt like what would happen if you took, like, a conservative... Um, commentator and like he pretended to be a liberal writing a movie you Oof. know what I mean like yeah. it's like it's all this like these like oh and and by the way like no plastic in the water too what's up with it not having plastic like all these just like these uh, 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 I don't know like just speech bubbles that mm-hmm. are just like bursting left and right and like with with nothing else in nothing it. Nothing to say. It's just yeah, yeah. it's it's um a and, lot of words with nothing to say. 
And you mentioned earlier that there are like some good performances because I wouldn't call the performances good per se, but I think like no one in it is necessarily like dropping the ball so much as like there's just like no sense of chemistry between any of these actors. Yeah, all of them could be in different movies. It feels like they all were like shot like like they couldn't get the whole cast together at the same time and they like all like did their shot separately even though they're like standing next to each other it's like did they just like cgi them like next to each other yeah speaking of i'd be remiss not to bring up just like how visually flat this movie is it is like one of the most uninterestingly directed movies i've Mm -hmm. i can think of like it it looks like a, a like a two camera like sitcom yeah Right, like pretty much. There's no, there's nothing. I mean, there's one moment where things like uh, get a little trippy and hallucinogenic. Yes. And I wrote that down. That was one of my favorite yeah, scenes. Yeah, that's the, movie the only thing worth mentioning because it was interesting. Because yes. it was different. Because it was something where I was like, okay, this is really cool. And immediately, what it leads back into, I was like, oh, here we are again. Yeah. And you can do trapped movies well and interesting. We have seen a bunch of them i mean buried with ryan reynolds is ryan reynolds in a a box for 90 minutes and i'd watch that 10 times before i'd watch this again i actually like buried there's a good movie yeah this interesting film well i remember when that came out like the behind the scenes pictures and videos where it shows like they built this box obviously with one panel off the side so they filmed him there and then there's just kind of nothing else around him i was like that is cool like but it was interesting things like the descent which were oh my god incredibly filmed underground. This is just again a one room yeah. set, two With, room set, and it feels like there's just like they had like one camera and they're like oh well, we don't want to like move it around too much. Yeah, like, you have a short. Let's and a just wide. like get yeah, let's get our shots and get out of here. I mean, you have Ed Helms in this movie, yeah. um, and like for what is in essence a glorified cameo. I mean, mm-hmm. his his character has not a lot of meat on his bones. Ugh. Um, which brings us to the fact that uh, this movie like mixes in like a cannibal element mm-hmm. to 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 them like quote like having to survive and like figuring out like what they're gonna do to stay alive down there. But even that makes no sense no. with the time period that they're down there. I mean, they're they're trapped underground for a period of time where like they could have just like not had snacks and been fine. That like, and the the day in which they make that decision to do that. Is way earlier than it than it would be, and it like it requires nothing other than being like, oh, we're gonna make it like three weeks later. Like, what? I don't understand the creative choice by by being like, oh, we're gonna start eating people. I think it's day four, right? I think it was like day three or four. Yeah, and <laughs> like you have, you still have some some tines of the edibles, edible forks, and mm-hmm. and whatnot. Like, it just like everything in this felt like it felt like there's there's there was a, a concept behind this movie and cause there must've sure. been to get everyone on board. Yeah. Like you don't get this caliber of uh cast and crew together on a project. If it looks quite like this, this like caliber it, of belly flop. Yeah. Like it ended up being <laughs> right. And it feels like they got there and then kind of just like scrapped everything and kind of just like made things up on the fly mm. and like shot as like, just like, Oh, well what can we do today? Cause it's just, yep. it doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. There's nothing like there. I, I feel like the camera doesn't move because they're like, oh, well, you know, it's like too difficult to, 
reset lighting yeah yeah. it just feels it feels like i think somebody had already written this somewhere but it feels like an snl sketch that has been stretched on for too long for how long is this movie oh it's not even 90 minutes not even it felt way longer than 90 minutes i remember i like paused it at some point to like grab a snack and it was like 40 minutes in and i was like oh no (laughs) see and this is the one that you suggested for this episode (laughs) i know well and the funny thing is that this so this premiered at at sundance also Mm -hmm. and got mixed reviews it wasn't outright panned which um to me is surprising that people found value in this you know people were saying Again, like, oh it's a dark comedy you and, you and i both know the festivals and something like there's the definitely gold, rose-colored glasses. something like the goldfinch yeah which people loved at the festivals then once it got released wide me including eviscerated it like that movie is so bad mm. And so, yeah, sometimes the festivals... I, it, I think that, yeah, there there definitely can be uh, over-generosity mm-hmm. um, when it comes to festivals. And and I I would be hard-stretched to find a lot about this movie that I could compliment, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And it's really it really kind of stinks because I, I like Patrick Bryce. I've actually... I've, I've interviewed him a couple yeah, times. Yeah, a couple times. Um, and he's a super nice guy. I think he's a really talented director the overnight is fantastic go out and see the overnight if you haven't seen it um and this oh i would like he he's gonna want this scrubbed off his imdb like this is a bad movie yeah this is not a good movie speaking of which okay so the official rating of good bad or ugly what do you give corporate animals i i have to go full brunt i gotta give it an ugly um, this to me is one of the worst movies I've seen this year. It was painful. Um, the, the only redeeming aspects are like, you know, the, the a couple of the performances are, they're trying at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of just like the, the, the flatness of the direction, like, mm-hmm. It's really the, the tonality. It's just, it's hard to think of of anything else this year that's just been like just feels so slapdash and so just like well we don't care. This feels like a movie that like no one really cared about, and you feel it. It feels like um, something no no one cared about, and yeah, to me this is one of the one of the bottoms of the barrel for the year. So yeah. you're welcome for suggesting <laughs> right. it and bringing it to the table. Yeah, so like you know Matt want to talk about it. Sent me the screener for it. They sent to him. So I was watching this, and I try not to do this, especially with a screener when I have the opportunity to watch it at home. I would just try and pay attention. Yeah. With this, I was like, all right, I need to clean up the studio. I need to get everything set up. So I put this on while I was doing that. Nothing about hearing the movie when I was not watching the screen captivated me enough to be like, all right, I should give this more time. Like, I was cleaning. I did some vacuuming in the studio. Like, and nothing. If we weren't. Uh, already lined up to talk about this movie, I would have turned it off. Yeah. I would have turned it off. I'd probably like... Actually, I, I might not have because, again, I, I try not to do that. The Goldfinch, oh. I sat through The Goldfinch and it was the first movie in decades that I wanted to walk out of. Mm. I didn't go because I heard that it was Dude. terrible. And again, <laughs> we, we know some folks who have a difference of opinion of that, which is fine. Yeah. We all have our own opinions. Yeah, a lot of people can be wrong a lot of the time. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and so with this one, it was the same thing. Where like, as I'm watching it, I had to pause it a couple times when I was like vacuuming. You're like, do I have to? And I was just it? looking at it and I was like, all right, Matt is going to be in the studio in an yeah. hour. And uh, 
All right, I should just finish this. And it's 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 funny because in contrast to in Fabric, which we were just talking about, like talk about like a movie that like stuck the landing yep. and like the killer ending and like this, like oh my just god, falters. The, oh my god, like to just the ending of this movie, just just it's a punctuation mark of just how little anyone really cares. It yeah. just it doesn't feel like anyone is trying. It doesn't yeah. feel like anyone is trying yep. here. My official rating, I totally agree with you. This is an ugly. Yeah. Uh, cause it's ugly. yikes. Yeah. Uh, the ending in particular felt like an SNL sketch. Yeah. Like it was just building to that ending. That was an SNL sketch. It feels, and- it feels exactly like, like that would be an SNL. It's like, Oh, conference of, uh, these people who've been trapped in a cave and had to eat their scout leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, you know, juxtaposition of another dark comedy, like with the art of self-defense. Yeah. Like that was a super dark comedy, so hit that angle of the darkness. It was a comedy. Like, we were laughing so hard Very at that funny. screening. This one, it was a dark comedy that was not dark enough or comedic enough. <laughs> and it was just an, a nothing movie. I did like when the guy's uh, gangrene wound started singing Britney Spears. <laughs> Toxic. Yeah, that was. <laughs> but, you know, like that plot went nowhere. No, nothing goes like anywhere. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. No one cared. No one cared. Yeah. No one was tracking consistency there was there was no one on set being like oh by the way uh game of thrones you left a coffee mug on the table here yeah um the the woman the character in this movie who has lupus why yeah why does nothing well and like like i mean guys, that's a performance where it's like oh she doesn't care like she does not want to be in this movie that was rough right um, isaiah whitlock at least he his delivery was funny because isaiah whitlock jr like he yeah. just is he his, deli- his delivery is yeah, fun to hear. Flat and kind of like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I mean, at one point when he was like, he was like, oh, I'm definitely eating you. Or no, that was a different character. So, but it was like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so corporate animals gets two Woof. uglies because yeah, yeah, yikes. It's a butt ugly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there we go. So we talked about hustlers, which we both gave a good two. Yeah. Uh, in fabric, which we both gave a good two because. Just an incredible so good. movie. Um, I cannot wait for more people to see this. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why I got a screener so early, but all right, well, made it happen. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, Corporate Animals gets gets two uglies. Yeah, we're totally lockstep here. Yeah. It's good. So, uh, and then, Matt, where can people find you online? Where are your reviews, your interviews? Uh, hit him with that. Yeah. Um, so all my stuff's up on the silver screen riot. Uh, I don't know why I said the, cause it's actually don't do, <laughs> don't do that. Go to silver screen, uh, dot com. Everything's on there. Um, I got, uh, I do most of my stuff through Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. so definitely check out silver screen riot on Facebook, but I also have most of that, like link to, um, Twitter, uh, SSR.com all spelled out and then also on the instas um, silver screen riot so yeah mm-hmm. come and uh, don't forget to send the uh, the, 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 the snapchat with the grandpa <laughs> in the in fabric mannequin scene when you Ooh. see it you'll know what I mean please I just want one person to do that that would be so funny <laughs> I would literally make my entire year I think you're going to have to wait for it to be released on DVD somewhere yeah 
Because, like, I feel like that, that, like, I don't know how many listener challenges you do, but, like, yeah, every now and then. This, is, this is how you go viral, John. You, mm. you, you put out <laughs> the grandpa in fabric challenge, do a hashtag on that, right. do a super cut on YouTube, bunch of grandpas, like, what is this? I just, like, I just like picturing my own grandpa watching that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, then uh, Matt will be exiting the studio, and then I will record my uh, review of Ad Astra about Brad Pitt, uh, yeah, after he leaves. So, Matt, thank you for, for being here. Thank you for taking the time to come yeah, down man. and, yeah, talk about at least two movies that we really enjoyed. Two good movies. Uh, and then... And Corporate Animals. Yikes. Oh. Uh, yeah. I mean, I Sorry, said... Patrick. I said Goldfinch was astonishingly bad. But it was just, it was bad in different ways. It was just ugly in different ways. This one just. This is worse than the year contender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this almost felt like a 90s comedy where they were yeah. just like, they were trying where new things. Where they're just like, just like, just like, oh, dude, we have like seven days to make a movie. Let's <laughs> come up with something. Yeah. Oof. So bad. So woke. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you again, Matt. And I will put in some chimes or something right here nope, to nope. lead, lead you know into my. You know what it my... is? It's a... <laughs> <laughs> to lead into my review of Ad Astra. Okay. Now that Matt has left the studio because he did not want his precious ears to be ruined, uh, with my discussion of Ad Astra, he wants to go into the movie uh, completely. Not completely blind. He saw the trailer and is is excited for it, but does not want anything, doesn't want to hear anything about plot details or anything. So, uh, yeah. So thanks again for Matt for coming in the studio. And yeah, so my review for Ad Astra. Now, Ad Astra is the new film by director James Gray. And he has done things like We Own the Night, The Lost City of Z, and a bunch of other stuff. And this stars Brad Pitt. Tommy Lee Jones, Liv Tyler, Ruth Nega, Donald Sutherland. Uh, those are kind of the the heavy hitters. There are a few other people that, you know, play roles, but those are the ones, you know, that we spend the most time with. Now, this film centers on Brad's, Brad Pitt's character of Roy McBride. And Brad Pitt is this kind of unflappable son of the legendary astronaut in the film's continuity of Tommy Lee Jones' character, Clifford McBride. Clifford McBride was the first astronaut to set foot on Jupiter. He was the first to go on this interstellar mission, like just legendary astronaut. So 30 years ago, approximately, his ship, his crew, and him, like everybody involved, went missing. When they went on this mission to kind of the outer reaches of the solar system. So now we get Brad Pitt, who, you know, as Roy, has been following in his father's footsteps and going on that same path. And he is then tasked with finding out what really happened to his father, to that ship, to the crew, because something to do with that mission is impacting the planet right now. And not just impacting... Space Command or, you know, the people in charge, this is something that is affecting the entire planet. So he needs to get up to space, find his dad or find the crew or find the ship and find out really what is going on. Now, with a movie like this, you would expect there to be 
you know, some plot twists and maybe there's alien life and maybe there's this. What fascinated me about this movie is this is much less a movie about space exploration and more an exploration of self and more an exploration of the truth and what matters and also faith. Like there, there were a lot of, I want to say heavy handed cues, you know, to do with faith, but there were a lot of mentions, you know, of faith. Uh, one point when the astronauts are leaving, they're saying a prayer to St. Christopher, who is the patron saint of travelers. So we see that we get these other mentions of faith and these conversations about faith. And I definitely did not expect that. So it was interesting to see this film about the space, uh, arguably adventure, but it to not really be about the exploration of space. Like there were so many other things going on. And what was also interesting is the future technology. Um, I forget what year. Oh yeah. They don't give a year. They just said in the near future, you know, the future technology that we see with space travel and with other things that they are doing, like at one point they go to the moon, which is kind of a pit stop where they need to get the things from there and then head off to their next destination. When they get to the moon, it basically is like a commercial airport. And so that was, that was funny only because when it kind of panned out and you see the exterior of this airport, the spaceport, if you will, we see a neon sign for Applebee's. We see a couple neon, other neon signs for restaurants. Then we see a Hudson News neon sign. That was hilarious because anybody who has been doing traveling for the past you know, three decades, there's a Hudson News in every airport you go to. So that was just really you know, kind of fun to see a little nod, being like at some point when space travel does get to be so uh, easy, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, because, I mean, it, it is. They have commercial flights to and from the moon, moon in this film. That is probably going to happen. You know, that commercialization of the shops is, is going to happen. And they make an they make a astute observation in the film when Brad Pitt's character is going through and seeing these things and kind of these tourist traps kind of in the airport on the moon. And he says that everything that they tried to escape from on Earth, they're recreating in other places. And that was a really cool observation because that is true. I, I feel like that will happen as, as we get closer to this type of reality is like, oh, we need to get away from our earthly troubles and our earthly possessions and blah, blah, blah. But then once we start going other places, yeah, it's just going to be the same thing. Because if history has told us anything, we kind of have a, a pattern of doing that. So throughout this movie, you know, there are those analogies, you know, to both present day Earth and also the present day Earth of the film and kind of what is going on and and how that is affecting things in Roy McBride's life and in his career. So as we see him progress through his his mission, the space, uh, well, how should I say, the space effects, I guess if I were to kind of break it down into the space travel parts of things were really well done. All of the zero G's, you know, scenes looked solid. 
there were some fantastical elements when it came to kind of doing, you know, more spacewalk type of things that we have seen in a bunch of movies, you know, things like gravity. In this, when he has to traverse a certain amount of distance in space to get to the next thing and he is not tethered by anything, that was a little bit weird because it was like, okay, if you are in space, kind of floating in space, that is a dangerous place to be. Even if on your suit you have some kind of compressors like they do on the space station and other things that just kind of jettison a little bit of air to give you some forward or backward, some momentum. Either way, you're going some momentum. So to see kind of how calm he was in those moments was was almost a little, I would not say off-putting. It was just kind of interesting to watch and see and be like, really? You're not too worried about just floating in space right now? Okay. But, you know, as I said in the beginning, he is this kind of unflappable prime candidate for all of these crazy missions. He does a lot, and I say a lot, of monologuing in this film. And it is voiceover monologuing. So it is not just him giving kind of daily reports, which he does do. And he gives status updates and psychological evaluations in the course of the film. But there is a lot of voiceover kind of narration and monologuing. I would say almost more than Dune, the David Lynch movie from the 80s, because that movie has a ton of it. This is very similar. And I think some people might be a little put off by that, by that kind of constant monologuing voiceover. I really appreciated it because it gave you more depth to the character. His character in the film has to do these psychological evaluations as part of his job. You know, to make sure he is mission ready, to make sure that he is good to go and that he is not going to panic. So in these voiceover things, you get to hear him actually talk about how he is feeling, what he is going through in a more in-depth way that he does not really feel comfortable (laughs) saying, you know, to his kind of superiors during these psych evals. So that was a cool dynamic that they kind of built in. And it touched on, we see him very early on, talk about he has a resting heart rate of 47, which is madness. And one of his superior officers, uh, commanding officers, was like, you know, I hear that your pulse has never gone over 86, you know, even during times of turmoil. And he was like, yeah, I mean, that, that if that's what the numbers say. So I understand why he is kind of not too worried in those moments of, of stress. So when we do get those moments of stress, it builds, you know, we, we have this built-in kind of trust to be like, oh, so he's not really worried about too many things. Oh, crap. If something goes wrong, we see him reacting, you know, uh, in an intense way and his readings start to go up. We already established his baseline. So again, it was a clever way to kind of introduce that methodology of him giving you know, his stats and his numbers to his superior officers, and then how it plays out in the rest of the movie. So we get Liv Tyler in this, who is his wife, I I, I believe. They don't really go too much into her or their, their relationship that much. We do get some recordings of her, and we obviously get some connection between the two of them. Uh, Ruth Nega is in this as kind of the uh, mission, not mission operations officer, uh, she is a operations manager, essentially, for a facility. 
And they have some interesting conversations between the two of them that I cannot really go into, even though Matt is not here. And so he would not, you know, he ran away from my discussion of this, but it would be kind of spoilerish. But they, the things they talk about have to do with kind of the state of not just the world, but of society at that point where humans have colonized other portions of our solar system. And what does that mean? And how does that affect characters who do not really know what Earth is like or do not really know the moon or other things? So that was really interesting. So this is a film where I could talk for a long time about this in generalities, but it is also something where I, I really should be dissecting this with other people who have seen the movie because there's a lot to this. There's a lot of depth and a lot of layers to this film, but it is hard to talk about without going into specific plot points. So uh, I guess I would just kind of leave it at that. But like I said before, if you're going into this movie thinking that this is a space exploration film uh, about maybe extraterrestrial life and other things, that is not necessarily what you are going to have. This is a journey of self, a journey of faith, a journey of truth in all of its forms, you know, and, and how that truth can be manipulated depending on your own belief structure. So, yeah, so I definitely, you know, encourage people to go and see this. This is a film where if you have an IMAX theater in your area, see this in IMAX. It is beautifully shot. I forgot to look up to see who the uh, cinematographer was or, you know, director of photography. They did a great job. Like space looks incredible in this and it also looks scary. And that is something that I, I really appreciate when filmmakers do that because even as easy as the transportation is in this future world that they are in, space is still scary. Space is still a place where there is danger everywhere. So even when you have these moments of calm or these moments of reflection, there's still that underlying tone, that subversive tone where it's like, if something goes wrong, it goes real wrong. So yeah, so I, I liked those aspects as well. So yeah, so that is kind of my, my brief review of Ad Astra. Brad Pitt gives a phenomenal performance. And again, I, I think some people are going to have to kind of settle into that performance because on screen, he is kind of flat because he has to be. He has to have this, he has to maintain this air of almost invincibility to continue doing what he is doing. But those voiceovers, like I said, it helps build that character. So I really like his character, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, when we see him kind of in, in flashbacks and we get to know more of his character, that is done well. And I really also liked Ruth Nega in this. I liked the conversations they had having to do with society and how it all ties in. So yeah, so go see this on the biggest screen you have in your local area. If it is on IMAX, great. If it is not on IMAX, but you have like, here in town we have uh, a Regal Theater, what we call the Limax. Because it is almost IMAX size, but it is the biggest screen in town outside of the IMAX Theater Pacific Science Center. So go see this in IMAX. Uh, my official rating for Ad Astra is a good. This is a slow burn space exploration movie <laughs> that sounded really kind of muddled and weird. But yeah, this, this is a slow burn. This is not something kind of edge of your seat type of adventure. 
but when it works, it really works. So yeah, so Ad Astra gets a good, like I mentioned before, Hustlers, we both gave a good to, In Fabric, we both gave a good to, and Corporate Animals, we both gave an ugly to. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for Matt for making time to come to the studio on a gloomy, rainy day here in Seattle. Uh, for information about the podcast, you can always go to abouttreeview.com. You can email the show at abouttreeview at gmail.com. Follow Facebook on follow the Facebook on social media. Follow the podcast on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at abouttreeview, and also youtube.com slash abouttreeview. If you want to support the show, that would be fantastic. There is an Amazon wish list in the description below, as well as a direct PayPal link. If you want to, you know, give $5 to the show, that would be incredible. So thank you for listening. I have been your host, as always, for the About to Review podcast, that guy named John, and we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.